0: Welcome. So good to see you. I want to welcome all of those that are here on campus with us today. Those of you that are joining us through Church at Home, we're so glad that you are here. So take a moment, whether you're here or your church at home, turn to someone and say good morning to them. I know you're spread out. You may have to like project that, you know, and they're telling us not to project. But for a moment, just say good morning to someone around you. Grab your Bibles, your devices. Get ready for our study this morning. Today we're in the book of Galatians chapter 5. And we'll start actually in verse 13 in a moment. But we have been talking for the past six weeks about this subject called We're at War. And so I want to end that, actually, that talk or that series this morning with you. And we're going to talk about that of staying in step with the Spirit. And then next week we have a non-series week. And then after that we start our fall And then our winter series, and that is that we're going to do a study through the book of Romans together, a very in-depth study through the book of Romans. Each week, you're going to have a dive in discussions that you've been having with questions online, our online platforms, and then also... During the week, we're going to have a live discussion, also a video discussion where you can actually ask questions. The pastor that's been teaching that Sunday morning will actually lead that discussion with you throughout the week. So we want to take a moment and have these intense discussions through the book of Romans. Theologians tell us, that Romans is perhaps the most important book that we find in the New Testament about that of our relationship with Christ and that of our Christian life. And so we want to really do an in-depth study for a number of weeks through the book of Romans starting August the 23rd. But today we finish up, we're at war. Today we're talking about staying in step with the Spirit. Now, as humans, we love to see people change. We, we love to see transformation in people's lives. I, I think it encourages us because we struggle with, will change within our own lives sometimes. So Reba and I, we love reality TV shows. Now we like them, we really do. I don't know if you do or not, but we like reality TV shows. And I'm not talking about Bachelor in Paradise, but we like the more spiritual ones, okay? We like the more spiritual ones like My 600 Pound Life and uh, Thousand-Pound Sisters. You know, I don't know if you've ever watched those or not. Uh, Property Brothers. Hometown, which is a knockoff of Chip and Joanna Gaines. I don't know if you ever watched it or not, right? So, but my favorite, you know what my favorite is? My favorite is Hoarders. That is absolutely my favorite to watch. I love it because it's truly about change. So, I thought about this week, why are those shows so intriguing to us? Why are they so intriguing to you and I? So, I did a little research about the show Hoarders, 10 seasons now. At the 9 o'clock slot, I know this is useless information, but it does help us to understand what we're going to talk about. At the 9 o'clock spot each week, 2.4 million people watch it. 2.4 2.4 million, so there's something about it, why? Because we as humans love to see other people transformed and changed. We love to see them make decisions in their life that changes something about, well, who they are as in their character or who they are as a person or even body transformation. And so I think we like it because we struggle, with change with our own lives. Yeah. Maybe it's not hoarding that we struggle with, but maybe it's the change in our lives that we struggle with. And, and this part about hoarders I like is this that a big part of the show is that they have this moment when they reveal how they live to other people, their friends, their family, their co-workers, our community uh, members. They reveal them how that because on the outside, you could never really tell that they live like this. But yet on the inside, something is different. That's a sermon within itself. This text that we're about to dive into in Galatians chapter five today, it's about transformation. It's about change in my life and your life, deep transformation. And it's rewarding, I think, as we watch other people transform. And I think sometimes in our own hearts, and our own minds, we say, man, I wish that I could do that. I wish that I could make a change within my life. And it makes us feel good to watch others make those changes at times. You say, so Mark, this is, <clears throat> excuse me, this is one of those sermons about how you're going to tell me that I'm this bad, selfish person. Person, And then the Bible says that I should be loving and kind and generous to others. So somehow when I leave this place in a few minutes, that I have to really work out how to make some changes within my own life. And, and on those days when I get this right in my life and I make those changes and I get it right, man, I feel really good about myself. But on those days when I miss the mark and I don't get it right, then there is moral despair within my life. It kind of throws me into that moment. Can I tell you, first of all, that's not the message of the gospel. We have to start out there. First of all, it's not the message of the gospel. The message of the gospel is is that God meets you and God loves you exactly where you are this morning. Understand that. Yeah, whether whether you know geographically you're here or you're worshiping from church at home with us today, or or where you whether you are spiritually, that God meets you exactly. He meets you exactly where you are. The message of the gospel that God loves you regardless, and understand that that's the catalyst for change in our lives. The catalyst of change in our lives is because God loves us exactly where we are. He accepts us as who we are, but yet wants to grow us into the person he's designed us to become. Because this is not about me. What I've realized over the years is this, that relationship always precedes change. It does in my personal relationship, you know, with Reba and with others, in, in my relationship with you, my relationship with God, that what I realized is that relationship always precedes change. So when I read chapter 5 of the book of Galatians, I came up with a question. And the question is, can we succeed at something while missing the mark on something else that is much more meaningful in life? Can we succeed at something while missing the mark with something else that's much more meaningful in our lives? You see, here's Paul talking to this community of believers and they're torn with conflict. If you read Galatians chapter 5, they're absolutely torn with conflict. They can't get along with each other, but yet here is the deal. They're fiercely devoted to the law and the regulations of Moses. They're fiercely devoted in keeping the law, but yet they can't get along with one another. And that's really the definition of what the term legalism means. And we're going to talk about that in a moment for just a few seconds. But let me set the stage with you by reading from Galatians 5 verse 13. It says this. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Where we start is this. Who is Paul talking to? He's talking to us. He's talking to Christians. And I realize that here in this room and also those watching by church at home, that I understand that some are following Christ and some are not. And so don't shut this out if you're not a Christ follower today. But understand that he is talking to Christians. And here's what he said. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another, he says. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word that you shall... What is that one word? You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But as you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. He said we're free in Christ for the purpose of Christ. We're free in Christ for a greater reason and plan and call for our lives. What is that greater purpose that we're freed in Christ for. It is that, that we love each other, that we love our neighbor as ourselves. And he said, but Mark, I thought that we were going to talk about war and conflict. We are. Because when Paul talks about war and conflict in our lives, he seems to always bring it back to relationships. He does. Why? Because relationships are the crucible for conflict in our life. Most of our conflict involves someone else. Sometimes it's just us alone, yes, but the majority of the time it involves someone else within our life. That's why he brings it back because it's real life for you and I. And we started this series where we're going to end it because we started talking to you about there's a war within us. There's a war between that of my flesh, my my, my sinful nature, and then there is that Other part of me that of the Holy Spirit is a believer because the Holy Spirit resides in me. And so there's constantly this war for the control of my life. And then what I realize is the war within affects the war without outside of me it affects my action. That's why Paul teaches the way he does when he always talks about spiritual war within our lives, he always brings it back to relationships because sometimes or most of the time in my life when there's conflict between that of my sinful nature and the spirit of God that lives within me, man, it's gonna come out in my actions and usually it's gonna involve something that I say to someone else or how I treat them or how I devalue them or how I'm angry and I use words that I probably shouldn't use sometimes it comes out in that way, right? Now, don't look at me like you're innocent, okay? All right, understand that? Yes, because I know that you're breathing and I know that you have a pulse, exactly, because you're sitting up and you're looking at me. So I know that there is conflict within you today. There's that conflict between the sinful nature that wants to do what you want to do and that of the Holy Spirit that resides in you as a believer to do what God has called you to do. So there's conflict within all of our lives. And Paul brings this back to community, how we love and care for one another. So as we talk about staying in the step with with the Spirit, is it possible? It's, It's a question. Is it possible for you and I to stay in step with the Spirit of God that's in our life and not love our neighbor as ourselves? Is it possible to keep all the rules and all the law, yet miss the greatest purpose that God has called us to other than loving him with all of our heart, soul, and our mind, and our strength? So Paul talks to Christians. There's this conflict that rages inside of you and I. So he says, hey, this is what it's like to stay in step with the Spirit. This is what it's like to stay in step with the Holy Spirit that lives within you. Galatians chapter 5, we continue, verse 16. And here's what he says, but I say walk by the Spirit. Is what he says, walk by the Spirit. Now, let me tell you where we're going with all of this. Because he gives us some other steps in that of understanding what it means to stay in step with the Spirit. He says, first of all, walk by the Spirit. And then he's going to tell us to be led by the Spirit. And then he's going to also say that we are to stay in step or live in, in step with the Spirit. But he says, first of all, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. So can I talk to you about walking by the Spirit? And I think this discussion has to begin where our relationship with Christ and the Holy Spirit begins. So for a moment, go back a few chapters in the book of Galatians, chapter 3, verse 2. This is where our relationship with Christ. This is where our relationship with the Holy Spirit begins. Let me ask you only this. So Paul says in Galatians 3 and 2, he said, let me have a talk with you. but Let me have a talk with you about something that's extremely specific. He says this. Did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? You say, well, I can answer that, you know, I've been here long enough, maybe, or I know a little bit about scripture enough to know that I I received this by hearing. That's exactly what I'm going to say. But then what he does, he says, but let me point out the obvious to you because it's not what you just say, but it's how you're living your life. And he says in verse three, but you are so foolish and then he points out the obvious, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? You said, oh, the Spirit drew you to God. Yes, it did. The Spirit is resident in your life when you become a believer. But how are you living out your life daily? How are you, How is your character, your nature, how are you treating others? How are you loving your neighbor as yourself? Because you're trying to do that within yourself. He says this, your relationship starts That relationship with Christ starts with the Spirit drawing you to him. Well, I chose Jesus. You know, I got up that day at church, wherever it might have been. You know, the pastor gave an altar call, and I stood up and I walked forward, and I chose Christ. That's where we go wrong. We have to start, I think, in the correct place, and that is that we didn't choose him. He chose us. Understand that. He first loved us. We know that scripture explains that explicitly throughout the New Testament, that we don't bring anything to the table. Because if we say that we chose him, then what we do is this we make this a, a work of our own choice, of our own ability and our own wills. Can I tell you, he chose us, he loved us. Scripture says, even when we were his enemies, he loved us. Yes. And so what I realize is that this relation I have with Christ, it started with the Holy Spirit drawing me to him. But sometimes we stop there. And what we understand about what Paul is teaching us in Galatians 5 is this, that not only are we drawn to God by the Holy Spirit in our lives, but yet it is the Holy Spirit that sustains our Christian walk. That's where we sometimes drop the ball. That's what the Galatians are doing. Not only are you drawn to God by the Spirit, but that it is the Holy Spirit that simply sustains our Christian walk, our lifestyle. The Spirit of God is the best guarantee of our Christian identity. It's the sure guide for our Christian behavior that we're walking in spirit life and relationship with Christ. It's not that we're just keeping the rules. It's not just, I check off the box. You know, because if that's the way you're living, if that's the way I'm living, then what we have is this crusty, and I use the word crusty because I like that, right? Because it makes us think of something that just lacks any life. This crusty, lifeless, systematic religious experience. But what I realize is Paul teaching you and I, and this is where we start, that our journey began with the Spirit, and our journey is sustained by the Spirit with God. But there is this force These two forces within us that are battling back and forth for the control of our lives, our character, our nature, and how we live this life. Our flesh, which is our sinful nature, and that of the Holy Spirit within us. So let me explain this to you. So over here, on this side of the stage, this is the moment you came to Christ. This is where you made, you know... uh, With your mouth, you confessed him, and he drew you by the Holy Spirit, but you confessed him with your mouth. You believed in your heart. And at this moment, whether you're saved or born again, whatever you want to call it, we'll use the word conversion. This is your moment of conversion. Over here on the other side of the stage, here, this is that moment when you are completely Christ-like, this is that moment. This is that moment when you are no longer sinning. You're no longer failing and you're no longer making really bad decisions in life. That's where that that's that place over there. No, but let me tell you something about this place over here, over here, where you're Christ, completely Christ like and you're no longer sinning. Guess what? You're not you're no longer breathing either. Did you know that? Yes. That's right. Yes. This is your place of glorification. Whether it's by death or whether it's by Christ's return, however you view that, this is your place of glorification. So this is glorification. Over here is your place of conversion. So there is this gap between that of conversion and glorification. And that is what we call the flesh. This is that area of your life where your mind and your heart still wants to do things that's not of God, you still want to do things that harm God and break God's heart. It's in here. So here's the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. The Holy Spirit meets me at this moment of conversion. And sometimes I think we leave him here. But he sustains our Christian life throughout this journey. What the Holy Spirit does, he pushes me, he moves me, he leads me, he guides me to this moment of being Christ-like is what he does the work in in that moment or that that gap of the flesh is the Holy Spirit moves me to this place of glorification. He does. So our struggle is here. Our struggle It's a perfect place for this stand this morning, right? Because that's where I am. That's where you are. Yes, that's where I'm going to stand most of the time this morning in this teaching is this is where the struggle is right here at this moment. This is it. So if you say to me today that you are sinless and you're not struggling with those decisions in your life, you know, to whether I do this, which I really want to do, but this is what God says for me, and I know it's the very, very best for my life. If you're saying to me that you no longer have those desires, you no longer struggle with those things in your life, then then I'm going to tell you something, okay? Either that you are, you're an, well, you're an angel, you're dead, or you're a liar. I don't know which one it is, right? yes. But you're you're one of those at least, because we all struggle here. This is where we struggle. And, and when I, when I look at this, and Paul writes in Galatians chapter five, he talks about freedom. What I realize is that there are times when the the spirit. And my flesh must offer me, they they seem to offer me the very same thing, don't you? The spirit says, I'm going to give you freedom. Jesus says, I'm going to give you freedom in the spirit to love your neighbor as yourself. And the Holy Spirit and and my sinful nature says to me that I'm going to give you freedom to simply satisfy your flesh, man, to do whatever you want in life. Yeah, because you're free to do that. And it seems like that. But what I realized, the freedom that my sinful nature offers me is not real. But it's yet actually bondage for my life. But when I follow my sinful nature of the flesh, where does it lead me? And remember, he's talking to Christians. So he's talking to you. So don't shut this out. Don't say, man, this is for everybody else that's online, that church at home. And this is not for me. You know, so so I'm going to shut. No, this is for all of us. Understand that. Where does those moments when we follow our flesh, our sinful nature lead us. So when I read Galatians 5, I have to talk about legalism for a moment because this is truly what they're dealing with. This is the brokenness of this church at Galatia. Yeah, They keep the rules, but they can't keep each other. Isn't that amazing? They keep all the rules, but they can't keep each other because they're continually in conflict with one another. And what I realize is when you have a preoccupation with the rules, when you have this preoccupation with the, with the, le- the legalism, the list of things that you think you're going to do for God to love you more, then you lose sight of your own sinfulness. And when you lose sight of your own sinfulness, you lose sight of your need for a savior. And when you lose sight of a need for a savior, we all have to have a savior. God created us to have a savior. So what we do is this. It's either going to be Jesus or it's going to be ourselves. And we make a lousy savior for ourselves. Because how many times have you failed yourself? Think about it. So he leads us into legalism. When legalism doesn't work with us, because what legalism does, it leaves us in this moral despair because we can't reach the bar. Because every time that we wake up or move, the bar keeps moving on us and we can't reach it. And so when re- legalism doesn't work, we reach what we call moral despair. And when we reach moral despair in our lives, here's what we do. We say, you know what? Forget that. I'm going to please myself. And that's lawlessness. I'm going to reward myself because I tried to follow all the rules and the rules just don't work for me. And so... Some of you have been there. You get frustrated with God. It's really you. It's really you that you're not living under grace, but you're living under the rules and the list. And so you get frustrated. So you say, here's what I'm going to do, man. I'm going to throw all this to the wind because the lie from the enemy is that you can be disloyal to God and steal. Everything in your life works out the way it should work out. And that is absolutely a lie. Understand that. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, whether it's you sitting here or those of you that are at church at home this morning. I don't know, but you need to hear this, that I think sometimes we believe the lie that I can be disloyal to God. And still my life in the end is going to work out the way it should work out. And that is not true. That's not true. It's the path to dissatisfaction. And dissatisfaction in my life most of the time because of my sinful nature leads to some kind of destruction in my life. So it's legalism, and when it doesn't work, we go to lawlessness. And I think sometimes when that doesn't even work, we have this lesser view of God's character within our lives, and and we see this relationship with God as a merit system. In other words, if I can put up all the scores that God wants me to put up, then God's going to love me more in this life. And so my relationship with God becomes very punitive. So what I, I say in life is this, God is only for me when I'm for him. That God is only for me when I'm for him. And we may never say that phrase, but I think we do live like that so many times in our lives. But when I realize that there is no neutrality, so I go back to this term that we walk by the Spirit because there's no neutrality in this. Understand this, that when I walk, it's a determination. It's an effort upon my part. I have to do something here. I just can't sit back and do nothing. So there's an effort upon my, upon my own part that I have to simply walk by the Spirit against the desires of my sinful nature. And, he, and then Paul says this phrase that he keeps you from doing the things that you want to do. And what I realize is this, that when I have confidence in the direction of the Spirit within my life, that it molds my Christian behavior, and I don't do what I want to do because the Spirit leads me, leads me to do the things that are absolutely best for me designed by God. So where does that leave me? It leaves us at verse 18. Here's the list, but he says first is this, but if you are led by the Spirit, he said that you are under you're not under the law. So the second thing is to be led by the Spirit. Now the works of the flesh are here evident and here's the list: sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, um, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And you say, boy, that's really condemning for me in life. But I can, it's not said to be condemning because look what he says next. He offers a better way for you. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, kindness, Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified, I underline that part, the flesh with his passions and his desires, being led by the Spirit. So let me connect the dots with you for a few minutes. Walking by the Spirit is that active determination of my life. I have to make that determination. I have to make that decision. It's an act of determination to walk by the Spirit. And then Paul says, then you are led by the Spirit, this passive submission to someone greater. It's that I submit control of my life is what I do. I can submit control of my life, not to the chains of the law, not to the chains of the list and the regulations, but to that of the life of the Holy Spirit that he brings into my life. What this is, this is God's sovereignty that I'm led by the spirit in my life. And this is also man's responsibility that I make that determination to walk by the spirit. So what does this mean? Let me me illustrate this. If the spirit is leading you to forgive your brother or your sister and say, Mark, don't talk about forgiveness this morning. I didn't come here to listen to that. Well, I wanna say that to you. If God has led you to forgive your brother or your sister who has harmed you, Instead of being resentful, what do you mean by being resentful? We say things like this to people that have harmed us. Well, the Bible tells me I have to forgive you. I don't know if you've ever said it, all right? Well, the Bible tells me that I have to give you so I forgive you. You know what I have to say about that? That's what I have to say about that, right? That's exactly right, yes. Or or the other one is this, that, listen, I love you, but I don't have to like you. I've heard that too. Christians have said that. Can I tell you, that's more than the words of your mouth, but it's a revealing of your heart is what that is. yes. But when you're under the control of the Spirit, when you're walking by, that's a determination. That's a determination that I am going to simply walk by the Spirit in my life. When you're led by the Spirit, that's that submission to the Spirit within your life. Rather than you having to be restricted to this command that thou shalt not kill, because I want to kill them, right? That I, that I shall not kill. No, and, and you look at them and say, but, you know, resentment again. Listen, dude, I'm not going to kill you because you're not worth, you know, you're not worth worth missing heaven over. Well, what kind of thing is that, right? Yes, that's your heart. It's twisted theology. But when I am walking by the Spirit, led by the Spirit of God, when I am led by submissive to Him, then I'm not forgiving you under the condemnation of the law, but I'm forgiving you through the freedom of the Spirit of God that's resident in my life. And can I tell you what? That makes it real. That makes it real. Because what I realize is that life in the Spirit involves that obedience in my life to his direction for my life. Not a list of rules. Paul says, this is not about a list of rules. This is about your submission to the Spirit, not about your feeble attempt to keep all the regulations in life. But here's what the Galatians do. They say, the people that... at, at the church of Galatia, they say, hey, give us the rules. We want the do's and don'ts, man. We want to know exactly what you expect of us. So we want to do that. And we're going to live within those parameters. They were so attached to the law and the list of do's and don'ts and regulations in their life. Just tell me what to do. And Paul says, no, because when you live like that, you lose sight of what causes you to be sinful. And what causes you to be sinful is not whether you keep the rules or whether you don't. What causes you to be sinful in your life is your heart. It's your heart. You're so focused on the regulation that you've missed the simple, the the powerful point of all this. It's not because the heart comes far before the list ever does. But they say, no, no, we want want you to define this for us. That's what you want you to do. We want a moral code that we live by. And what I realize is this, that so many times when you live by a moral code and not by the condition of your heart, it will always drop you off at the area of moral despair within your life because you can't live up to that. And so Paul gives them this list. Well, Mark, it seems like he gave him a list. It's a very generalized list. What is it for? It's for evaluation in their life. He said, okay, here's the things that you do in life, but here is a better way. So how are you living in the spirit? Because what the law does, it is it, it, it exposes, the laws external. It exposes the internal realities of our own hearts, but it leaves us in shame and it leaves us you know, in guilt, but what the Holy Spirit does, the Holy Spirit illuminates. But when the Holy Spirit in our life illuminates things that are displeasing to God, then the Holy Spirit always covers that with grace. Understand that. And they miss the whole picture of all of that. The Holy Spirit is not pointing out some external action, but it's pointing out places within my heart and your heart where we refuse to surrender and trust God. So he says, hey, crucify the flesh. Now, none of us like to tag our name to that, right? You know, none of us like to say crucify Mark or crucify whoever. We don't want to tag our name to that. And I think there's two ways that we deal with the sinful nature of our life, that we crucify it or, or, or we gratify it. That I walk by the Spirit. That determination It's my responsibility. I have to make a choice. You can't just sit there and say, well, I'm just gonna let God handle all of this. It's my determination to walk by the Spirit and then I am led by the Spirit that I submit to God's sovereignty for my life that he knows better than I. And then I keep in step. Let me finish with this, verse 25. Galatians 5 and 25. If you live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, and envying one another. Isn't that interesting that Paul always brings us back to relationships, isn't it? Yes, because it's the battle within, the battle without. And most of the time, the battle within influences the battle without, and it involves someone else and how I treat you and and how I love you or how I don't love you. So how do we keep in step with the Spirit? How do we keep in step with the Spirit? Well, let me, let me illustrate this for you. Where's Hannah? Hannah's supposed to be out here, okay? And, and I don't know where, what happened to Hannah. There she is. Okay, here she is, okay? And <clears throat> so I wanna talk to you about Hannah for a minute, all right? Hannah has no idea what I'm doing. I didn't tell her before service. I did not tell her. Did I tell you anything? No, no, It's not like one of those magic tricks, you know? Have, you, have I talked to you before tonight? You know, I had, no, that's not it. Okay, that's not it at all, yes. But can I, can I say something to you about Hannah? This is important. You see this microphone in front of her? This this is going to help us to understand what this means to be simply that of we're walking in step with the Spirit. This microphone that Hannah has, sometimes that you will see her talking in that microphone. I don't know if you've ever noticed this on a Sunday morning, but you don't hear anything coming out here for you to hear her. Do you know who she's talking to? She's talking to herself. She has that problem. No, that's not it. That's not it all. No, no she's talking to all the band members and the worship leaders on the stage. They hear her through their in-ear system. Am I saying this correctly? Am I supposed to divulge this? It's too late now, right? It doesn't matter, right? Yes. So she's directing them. She's directing them during the worship service. But you don't know that. You don't hear that. Only they can hear that voice. Some of you know where I'm going. You can play. Okay, good. Yeah, that's very good. Because when I begin to read through this text and I had to start with walking by the spirit that I realized that I have to be determined. Just as the band members and the worship leaders, they're determined to listen to her voice on Sunday morning. Why do they do that? Because they trust her. They know that she will not mislead them They know that she has their very best interest and the interest of what goes on here with you in worship at heart. So they absolutely trust her. So when she says, sing that again, they sing it again. But they have to make a determined effort and decision to trust her. And I thought about this, that they follow her lead. They, they submit to her because they know that probably of anybody else on this stage, she knows most about the music that they're going to be leading us in worship with that morning. She knows the most about it. Not just because of her education or her amazing talents, but she has studied that throughout the week. So she knows. In fact... She knows what's coming next, even sometimes when they don't. And so they submit to her lead. And all of this is because they follow the voice that's in their ear. Now let me put that together for you for a moment. When it comes to simply living life in the freedom of the Holy Spirit within our lives, that it starts with you and I walking by the Spirit. It starts with you and I making a determination this is the way I'm going to live. But I tell you, determination stops where our abilities end, right? That's true. So there has to be something else to determination when it comes to keeping in step with the Spirit. There has to be that leading part that we have to follow the Holy Spirit's lead within our lives. We have to trust that God is sovereign. So God does not just know the past nor the present, but God also knows the future and he lives simultaneously in all three. So I make that determination, but my termination ends on my own abilities. So I have to go somewhere else. So I submit to him and I allow him to lead me. And for me to be staying in step with the spirit, then I have to listen to his voice. I have to listen to his voice. You said, but Mark, the Holy Spirit has never spoken to me. Can I correct you? If you are here as a believer and you are a Christ follower, he has spoken to you because he's the one that drew you to God to begin with. So you know his voice. Because you responded then. So what is he speaking to you now? Well, Mark, I'm just living life by my own instincts, you know, kind of deal. And that's the way I'm living life. Can I tell you, that makes as about as much sense. And I understand the reality of it. That makes about as much sense as the band would get up here every Sunday morning, along with our worship leaders. And they would look at Hannah and say, you know what, we're just going to play and sing by our own instincts today and see if it all comes together in the end. And it would be a debacle, true. And I think that we live that way so many times and go through so many days of our lives as somehow we don't give this a second thought. Of what it means to walk in step with the spirit. That we're not making that determination. That today I am going to walk in step with the spirit. But I know I can't do that alone. So I have to be led by God. In his sovereignty that I trust him. That he has everything worked out in my life for my good. And then I listen to his voice. Because what I realize is staying in step with the spirit. Is more about knowing someone and it's more about listening to his voice than it is about me achieving anything. And that's where the Galatians say they just they just could not get that in their head. And Paul says, no, here's the truth. So what is God speaking to you? So for a moment, would you bow your heads with me to shut out all the distractions those of you that are in the room, those of you that are joining us this morning from church at home, that you would shut out all the distractions. That you would trust him. Father, you speak to your children. We could never, we could never refer to you as the perfect Father if you didn't communicate with us. And you communicate with us through the voice of the Holy Spirit that's resident within our lives. So, Father, let this day be a moment of change for us. Let this be a moment where we transition from just watching other people change and enjoying that and making us feel good to this being a moment of change within our lives. That today we make a determination, God, to hear the Spirit within our lives. We make a determination to be led by the Spirit. We recognize that we can't do this, but you are Sovereign. Over all things. That we recognize that to walk in step with the Spirit, that we must listen. And God, whether it's a song or or God, whether it's the scriptures when we read, or or whether it's a moment of prayer, or God, maybe it's a moment that we're just in nature or we're driving in the car and we hear that voice within our own heart and our own spirit, that we recognize that that is you. And listening, God should always follow, by, follow with obedience. Follow with obedience. So, Father, today let this be a moment of change in all of our lives. And let us find ourselves in step with the Holy Spirit that lives within us. And in turn, that we love our neighbor as ourselves. That in turn, we make you known, God, that we serve our community and serve one another. And in serving each other, we serve you, Lord. So may we hear your voice this morning as you speak to all of us, your children. In your name we pray.